Isaiah 55, hopefully you're there. We're going to call this today an everlasting sign. And I, I have in my notes, this is the everlasting sign that no one ever told me about. And so I want to talk about that today. Now, as we do, I, I want to give a little bit of review because it was a few weeks ago as we began to see things taking place in our world that uh, we, we took a break from our study through the book of Acts and we began to look at what the Bible says about the time period known as the end times, and then also at the same time to begin talking about faith. And so we began a few weeks ago and we looked at Matthew 24, and you'll recall the story that Jesus has said some things that are unsettling to the disciples about what was going to happen with the temple and, and, and things of that nature. And, and um, so the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him three questions. And they asked him, when will these things be? That was the destruction of the temple. What is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And they had rightfully paired his coming with the end of the age. And Jesus takes two chapters to answer those three questions. And uh, we've mentioned each week that if Jesus takes two chapters to answer three questions, it's important. It's important. And, and so Jesus, as he began to talk about those things, one of the things that he mentioned was that in that last generation, or that last generation would begin when Israel became a nation again. You see, um, Israel is the only nation on the planet in the history of the world that existed as a nation ceased to exist as a nation in 70 AD and was not a nation until 1948. It's the only nation on the planet that existed as a nation, didn't exist as a nation, and became a nation again, just as the Bible said. And Jesus described that time and he says it's going to be a time where on the one hand there's going to be these birth pangs. And uh, it's, it's uh, fascinating that he used that, that terminology because a birth pang, when a woman goes into labor, the contractions become closer and closer together and more and more intense. And Jesus listed some of those things, wars and rumors of wars, and he mentioned earthquakes, and he mentioned famines, and he also mentioned pestilences. And so we are in the middle of one of those birth pangs that, that the Bible would talk about. Never in our lifetime have we ever seen anything like this, where the whole world shut down and we're all sheltering at home. This was a birth pang. But then he said that on the other hand, not only would we see these birth pangs coming through, but on the other hand, on the day that he arrives for the church, uh, they would be building, they would be planting, they would be buying, they would be selling, they'd be giving in marriage. And, and so life would be going on. Life would be going on. And we mentioned when we were there that it would be business as usual in an unusual time. And so certainly we're seeing that. On the one hand, there's these birth pangs, but on the other hand, there's the buying and the selling and, and the building and the planting. Now, what I would want to say to us this week is that birth pangs, these contractions, they come and they go. And uh, that's not yet the end, and that's what he talked about. That would not be the end. On the day that he arrives, it's going to be business as usual. So, so we're going to get through this, and there's going to be that, that in, in a very short period of time, uh, we'll be back to some sense of normalcy. And we're looking forward to that, and we are praying that this birth pang moves out of here very, very quickly. And then we began to talk about faith. 
And we looked at a couple of verses. One of them that we keep coming to is uh, in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 17. It's there in your outline. And uh, Jesus is speaking, and and he says, And the Lord said, If you had faith like a mustard seed, and we've underlined that each week, he says, You would say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And so we, we talked about that, and, and that one of the things that we've said is that, that each time Jesus mentions faith, faith does some incredible things. It does some incredible things. And, and it would be speaking to, in this case, the mulberry tree. Last week we looked at the, the speaking to the mountain, and we mentioned that faith has a whole lot more to do with speaking to than praying about. And of course, the mulberry tree, the mountains, those are the challenges, the obstacles that we face and and how we deal with that with faith. But then as we talked about that each week, we mentioned that faith begins as a seed. It says, if you had faith like a mustard seed. Now, some of our Bibles would say, if you had faith small like a mustard seed or the size of a mustard seed, and uh, we've mentioned each week that the problem with that as a translation is small. Uh, the, the size isn't really part of the original language. He just says if you had faith like a mustard seed. And, and so it's not, it doesn't have to do with a small seed. When he says it's like a mustard seed, it's not that it's small. It's that it comes up quick. It comes up quick. Uh, which is why we say, you know, we're thankful that he didn't say if you had faith as an acorn because the truth is something might not happen for 60 years. But when he says he has faith as a mustard seed, when that's planted, it begins to come up very, very fast. So faith begins as a seed. And then we mentioned, and I want you to write this down, that a seed becomes effective only when it's planted. So you want to write that down. So the way that faith, that seed is planted would be to speak it. We plant with our, our, with our mouth when we speak, which is why Jesus would say, you would say to, you would say to. And so when we plant that by speaking it, it begins to come up and there's going to be a harvest. And so some of us from our background, we would say, well, he spoke that to apostles. Does that really apply to you and I as just normal everyday believers? Well, there's this great little story. You're familiar with it. It's in Mark's gospel. There's this man, and he has a son who's been possessed by a demon, as the Bible says, and uh, he's tried everything. And so he he brings the, the boy to Jesus, and in desperation, he says, if you can do anything, please, please help. And I love Jesus's response. Jesus says there in your outline in Mark chapter 9, Jesus said to him, if you can, if you can, then he says, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And I, I think we're, we're all there. We're, we're like this, this father. We hear about faith and we believe that if we had faith, that great things could happen. But like the Father, we say, I believe, but help my unbelief. I I know if I had that, I could do great things, but I just don't know how to get there to have that faith. So 
each week as we've talked about this, we've come back to Romans chapter 10, uh, 10, 17, where Paul tells us there in your outline, he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I've mentioned each week that for many of us, we come from a background where we were taught that this refers to just getting saved. You hear the gospel, you believe, you get faith, and then you go to heaven. But what Paul is talking about here is that it has to do with all of life. What we hear and hear and hear, we believe. So some of us come from church backgrounds where we were taught certain things and we heard them many times. For instance, some of us come from a background where we were taught that that healing ended at the, at the time of the apostles. When they passed away, then, then that all ended. And we've heard that and heard that. You can't find that verse anywhere in your Bible, but because some of us have heard that and heard that, we believe that. See, it's what we hear and hear and hear. That's what causes us to believe. So Paul says, faith comes by hearing, but what we want to hear is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then we mentioned that that word, Uh, for the word of God is an interesting word, rima, and that means a specific spoken statement. So we talked about how we need to find a promise from God's word, and we need to speak it, and speak it, and speak it, allow ourselves to hear it, and then that faith will begin to come up. And it won't take long, but it'll begin to come up over time. So I want to begin speaking that. And then after that we went on and there's part of this that we've looked at and part of this we've never talked about before but we looked at Joshua and you'll recall that God came to Joshua and and he said this and again we've seen at least this part uh, each week for the last couple of weeks and God said this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate and we mentioned that that word meditate means to talk, to speak, to mutter. You talk, speak, mutter on it day and night. You just continuously that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And so we talked about that and and we mentioned that God wanted to see Joshua do well. He wants to see all of his children do well. So Joshua did he began to speak God's word. He began to talk about the promises that were in God's word. And and he just said it over and over and over, just as God said. And that's in chapter one. But about a year later, about a year later, in chapter 10, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and because faith is more about speaking to than praying about, Uh, Again, a year later in in Joshua chapter 10, Joshua is in a battle, but he's been speaking God's word. It's been going on for about a year. And he's in this battle. And in this battle, uh, he's, he's doing great, but he needs more time. And so notice there on your outline, it says, then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And I've underlined, and he said. Now this is not speaking to the Lord here. He's now saying, and notice what he says, in the sight of Israel, he said, sun stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon, 
Now, you, you can read the rest of the story and see how it went. It happened just as he said. But Joshua had been speaking the word for a year. That word began to come up. And here in this situation, he did not pray about it. He was certainly praying, but here he spoke to his situation. He becomes the Old Testament or one of the Old Testament examples of what Jesus was talking about. He spoke to his situation. And and we might say that mountain, that mulberry tree, he spoke to the situation. Now, this is such an important part of our faith. And it's mentioned from cover to cover in our Bible that, that God will say this in every conceivable way possible. And yet for many, uh, this eludes us. And many of us come from a church background where this is always explained away. So I've asked you to turn to Isaiah 55. And and I want to talk about a new harvest in our lives. Now we talked about this last year. And um, we talked about that, that this is something that we've read many times, but but. For many of us, this has escaped us. And, and this is why uh, I've called this today the everlasting sign, and then in my notes, the everlasting sign that no one told me about. So here in Isaiah 55, it's about 700 years before Jesus is born. And again, I'm not going to teach the whole chapter. I'm just going to focus in on part of it. But I encourage you to read the first part of the chapter, because it's all about our salvation, how it's free and it's everlasting. And and it's something that God has done for us. But I'm going to pick it up in verse six. And many of you will remember this from last year. And if you weren't here last year, you want to underline a couple of things. But in verse six, he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the, and we underline the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man, his thoughts, and we underline that, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And then verse 8, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, nor my ways, declares the Lord. Verse 9, I'll read one more verse. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so last year and today, I, I, I want to mention that if we're not careful, we'll go around, and, and many times believers will do this. They'll say, well, you know, something happens, and they'll say, well, well, you know, God's ways are not our ways. He works in his own ways, and they're mysterious. Um, but always keep in mind, and we underline that he's not speaking to born-again believers He's speaking to wicked people, the unrighteous, and he's telling them that, that his ways are not their ways. And uh, there on your outline, it says, but we have the mind of Christ. You see, our ways are supposed to be his ways, and his ways are supposed to be our ways. So we, we, we don't, this is not written to believers, but to unbelievers. So the question is then, what are his ways. What are his ways? So we pick it up in verse 9, and he says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, 
and making. Now I've underlined making. Uh, some of your Bibles will say make or maketh, but you want to underline that. Making it bear and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So God says, so as the rain comes down from heaven and as it comes down into the ground, it begins to make the ground sprout and bear fruit. And it does all kinds of wonderful things before it goes back to heaven. And uh, it provides bread, provides seed, all of these wonderful things. And so it's also interesting that when the rain comes down, uh, the ground has, has, uh, has no choice in, in the matter. It just begins to sprout. It just, it just begins to happen. It has no choice. So he says, this is my way. And then he describes it a little bit further in verse 11. And he says, so, or in the same way, so shall my word be, which goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. He says his word is going to go out and his word is going to do all kinds of wonderful things. And and it's like the rain when it comes out, it begins to make the ground, begins to sprout and, and begins to bear fruit. Now, the way uh, before it returns, the way that it's returned back to the Lord is that we speak it. He gives us his word and we begin to speak it and we return it to the Lord. And this principle is called returning the word. And he says that if you get this, if you understand this, this will change your whole experience. It will change your whole life. So verse 12, he goes on. He says, if you get this, he says, this will be the result. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. And the trees of the field will clap their hands. Very, you know, great things are going to begin to happen. Your whole existence will change. And when we understand this, verse 13, he says, this is going to be the result. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. Instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. You know, we know what thorns and we know what nettles are, but uh, instead of the bad things, the good things will begin to come up. And he says, and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign. I've underlined an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. When he says it will be a memorial to the Lord, God is saying, I'm putting my name on this. I'm putting my reputation on this. And this is something you can take to the bank. And he says, this will be an everlasting sign, which means that as it applied then, it applies today. As we speak his word and we return it to him, his word will change our experience. Now, we return his word to him when we speak it. And it's interesting, uh, he's going to say this in as many ways as he possibly can, but um, here he talks about the word and he says it's like watering. But we, we looked at it and we said, well, wait a minute, it's like planting a seed. Was it the planting the seed or is it the watering? Well, again, God's going to describe this in as many ways as he possibly can. Do you remember that story um, in the New Testament, Paul the Apostle, 
he goes to the town of Corinth and he begins speaking the word. And as he begins to speak the word, the church is birthed. But after about 18 months, he goes on and continues on his missionary journey. But then another pastor comes in and his name is Apollos and Apollos continues doing the same thing. So Paul would write, and notice what he says. I put it there in your outline. He says, I planted and Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So what you see is Paul planted by speaking the word. Apollos Apollos shows up and he continues to do the same thing and it's like watering. So it's whether it's planting or watering, Paul says it's it's the same it's the same thing. So so here it's the continually speaking the word is on the one hand it's planting and on the other hand it's like watering. You, you keep speaking it and it returns to the Lord. And he says this is an everlasting sign. And and Jesus will say this, the Bible will say this in as many ways as possible so that we so that we catch it. Now there's this great story in uh, Matthew's gospel. Um, Jesus is in a debate with some very hostile unbelievers. And uh, there in your outline in Matthew 12, I want you to notice this. Jesus is speaking and he says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth, and I want you to underline good things good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Now what we're going to see is that what is coming out of the heart is words. And the words that are coming out of the heart are having uh, a harvest, we might say. Something is happening. And it's interesting that he says good things. So the word is producing things, things in in life and and, and things. And he goes on and he says, but I say to you that for every idle word, and I want you to underline idle word, men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Now, Now this is a fascinating, fascinating passage. He says, but I say to you that for every idle word. Now that's interesting because in my tradition we were taught that, that uh, when Jesus says every idle word that was uh, to mean that we were not to have what we would call potty mouth. We weren't to say bad words. And, uh, and, and so that, that's what we were taught. But it's an interesting thing when he says idle word, the word there in the original language is the word argos. It means inactive or, and I want you to underline, unemployed, unemployed, uh, by implication, lazy or useless. Jesus is teaching here that what's in the heart is going to come out. And when those words come out, it begins to create a harvest. Good things, bad things. And he is saying we will be judged by every idle word. The idea is every unemployed word. That those words that are coming out of our mouth, they're supposed to be working for us. And so we want to find one of God's promises and begin to speak it. And as that goes out, it begins to work for us. So we want our words to work for us. So in, in Matthew, he teaches that the words are producing things, good or bad, 
and again, this is so important that it's described in so many different places in so many different ways. Our, our words are like planting seeds. Uh, our words are like watering. But our, our words are producing. They're, they're doing something. They're, they're producing. Now, in James, James, as he opens up his, his short little book, and he begins to talk about words and uh, what words do and the power that they have. Uh, a couple of verses here as we kind of bring this to a close. But in James chapter 1, he says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness, all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted. And I want you to underline that word implanted, which is able to save your souls. And I want you to pay attention to that word that's there. Many times we read this and we say the word can save our souls and we think that means that we go to heaven. And uh, certainly that would be true, but here it's a very interesting word for soul. The word in the original language is suke, from where we get the word psyche, uh, which pertains to the mind. And so you could literally read this, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your minds, which is able to save your minds. The, the word implanted has the ability to save your mind, your, your, your thoughts, but it has to be planted. It has to be planted inside and then as that comes up it begins to he says to save our literally our psyche our our minds Um, when I read this and and I I know that for many of us right now as we face this situation there's a great deal of concern and for some there's a great deal of fear if you want your mind to be saved in this time you have to receive the word and plant it. You begin to speak God's word and let it get planted inside of you. What will come up will not be the fear. It will be, it will be faith. It will be faith. And uh, you'll see firsthand that this is an everlasting sign that they talked about in Isaiah. Now, James brings it all down to the tongue. And uh, we'll wrap up with this one little verse there in your outline, he says, now, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and does not bridle, and I've underlined that word bridle, his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. And I want you to underline that word worthless. James brings it all down to the the tongue. And he says, if you don't get this point, if you don't get this, then your religion is going to be worthless. Now we need to talk about that a little bit. I was taught growing up that if you don't bridle your tongue, and again, the term that we used in the church that I grew up in, it was potty mouth. If, if you have potty mouth and, and you're saying bad things, and uh, certainly you don't want to have potty mouth, but, but uh, that's not exactly what this is talking about. When he says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and does not bridle his tongue. Now, a bridle, when you look that word up in the original language, I probably should have put it on your outline. It means to guide or to direct, to give direction. And so literally the, the bridle put into the horse's mouth is not to shut the horse up. 
It's to turn the horse in the direction that the horse is supposed to go. And he is saying, if you don't turn your mouth, your words, your tongue in the direction that it needs to go, then you're going to find that your religion is worthless. Now, when he says worthless, he doesn't say evil. It's not that you are evil or or that your faith is evil. That's not what he's talking about. There on your outline, that word there is mateos. It means empty, but uh, you want to underline the word profitless, profitless. The idea is if you don't learn to bridle your tongue, that is take your tongue and speak the things that take you in a certain direction, your faith is going to be profitless. It's not going to do any good. It doesn't make you bad or evil. It just isn't going to help you. And and, and then the best that you can hope for is that you just become good people that go to church. He is saying we need to take our tongues and speak. And those tongues, the words that we say uh, as we bridle them, we need to point those in the direction that we want to go. That is, we begin to speak God's word and say about our situation what God says about our situation. Now, as, as we wrap this up, I want you to think about something. We always want to be appropriate and uh, think this through. Just think it through. You and I, you and I were given a faith where we were told uh, that those who believe in his name can cast out demons, speak with new tongues, pick up serpents, drink deadly poison that it would not harm us, and we would lay our hands on the sick and they would recover. That was the faith that we were called to. But in many cases, we've come to the place where we don't lay our hands on the sick. Our faith is at the place where we say we avoid the sick, we don't touch them because we're afraid that we'll catch what they have. And that faith does not look like the faith that, that we were given. Now, don't go out and start touching sick people. You don't have the faith for that. Don't manufacture it. But, but I want you to consider your faith. And uh, does your faith look like what we were taught in the Bible? And I want to encourage you. That faith begins to come up as we begin to speak and speak and speak. He'll call it watering it. He'll call it planting. He'll call it a number of different ways. But we need to take our words and begin to point them in the direction so that our religion doesn't become worthless or useless. It's not that it's bad. It's just it's not going to be profitable. It's not going to be helpful. So our faith comes from what we hear and hear and hear. And uh, what we hear uh, best uh, happens when we hear our words, when we hear ourselves speaking it. And when we begin to do this, Isaiah tells us that it's an everlasting sign that as we begin to speak this, what we once had, if it was not that great, something new is going to begin to come up. And it's an everlasting sign. It was, it was true then and, and it's true now. So as we said last week, and I want to say it again this week, and you want to write this down, the key to faith is continually saying what God has said. Jesus wasn't afraid to touch the leper uh, thinking that he would get it uh, because he continually said 
what his father said. There in your outline, Jesus says, the one who sent me is true. So I say in the world only what I have heard from him. He had bridled his tongue and aimed it in the direction that he knew he was supposed to go. So let me just give you a a, a couple of uh, great verses. And you might want to just begin to speak these, just begin to speak them, and uh, see what God begins to do in your heart and your life as you do this. Now remember, faith is never, I am going to believe. That's not faith. Faith is just very natural what's coming out of you. And so you never put yourself in an unsafe situation uh, where, you know, if, if this is not just coming out of you. But Jesus says, I give unto you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, because he said that, we say, uh, I have the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm me. And I want to say that and say that and say that until it just becomes part of me and it begins to come up inside of me. Uh, another, another great verse, Psalm 3, verse 5, it's, or 3, verse 3, it says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. And so I say, Thou, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Lord, you are a shield about me. And I say that and say that and say that. And then this is a great, great verse. Psalm 118, 17, he says, I will not die, but live, and I will tell of the works of the Lord. I will not die, but live and tell of the works of the Lord. I want to encourage you, don't do anything stupid, don't do anything rash, but I want to encourage you to find some promises that pertain to your situation and begin to just speak those and speak those like Joshua, day and night, under your breath, out speaking it, talking about it, let that come out and you'll see that your faith will begin to grow and you will have a very different experience as Isaiah, we saw in Isaiah that this will be an everlasting sign. If this is coming up and we begin to return his word and we continue to do that, things begin to change very, very quickly. I want to encourage you in that this week and um, we love you guys. We're here for you and uh, we hope to see you very, very soon. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, as we wrap this up today, um, Lord, we realize that we're all in different places. We all love you, and uh, we want to be the people of God that you've called us to be. We know you've never called us to go out and do anything inappropriate or uh, unsafe in any way, but we want to be people of faith. We know that that's not something that we manufacture, but faith just comes by hearing. And so, Lord, what we want to do is we want to take your word, And we want to begin speaking it and speaking it under our breath, speaking it out loud. And and as we do that, Father, we're planting that. We're planting that. And we want to see that harvest come up. We're not only planting, but we're, we're, we're watering it. And those words, Lord, that we speak when it's your word will not be idle. That is, they're going to be employed and they're going to be bringing a very different harvest. And we realize that as we do this, as we bridle our tongue and begin to speak in this direction, things are going to begin to change. And our Christian experience is going to go beyond just being nice people who go to church. But you're going to do some great things in us and through us in this time where you've called us to be. 
And this is the most exciting generation that the world has ever seen since you were here on the earth. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for their love for you, their love for the things of you, your word, your spirit. And now, Lord, as we go forward, move in us as we begin to just continue to speak your word on a daily basis, day and night. Uh, We want to see that faith come up. I pray, God, that you keep us till we meet again. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said at home, amen.